This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Live from Dallas, Texas, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today you're joining us from the Expo Hall floor of FinCon 2017 for a live taping in front of literally seven Stacking Benjamins fans. While fans might be a little bit of a strong word today, we're going to keep bringing the hyperbole and some fun as we welcome to the show FinCon 2017 keynote speaker and seven-time New York Times best-selling author, David Bach. That was nine. Those cheers are for me. And you thought David Bach's latte factor was cool. Listen to these headlines. We'll start out with some news from Chester Bennington's Will. He's the, you know him, he's the recently deceased lead singer of Linkin Park. And also share a story about, uh, well, you know, sharing. It's all, <laughs> is it okay to share your personal financial life with friends? Turns out a new study says we don't agree. That's a shock. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener in our live audience and maybe answer a second question from the audience instead of a letter and still share with you some Dallas-themed Neighbor Doug trivia. And the crowd goes wild. Okay. (laughs) And now, two guys who are looking mighty pale after spending way too much time in their mom's basement, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. FinCon, how are you? I can't believe we're here. I can't believe there's people watching us. It's a, a lot. Little, of, it's actually, a, little, a lot of people watching us. I know it's creepy. It's, I'm so used to having books and having. Uh, and you I have know, to stare into Joe's eyes. Welcome it's to my so world. Beautiful. It's weird because I feel obligated to like look this direction. It is so creepy. It's Thank like you. it's like a basement, only totally different. Yes, we do. Totally <laughs> not. Yeah. Like a basement, except it's not. It's brighter. Hey, we, we actually have somebody really cool here with us. 
you know that? I mean, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> well, Doug, yeah. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The elephant in the room is that Doug is actually here with us. Yeah. Right. Indeed. We have Mr. David Bach joining us. Oh, come on. Louder than that. Come on. There we go. Finkon 2017. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Hey, man it's, good. it's so good to be here, buddy. And you're about to do the keynote on today's Your Money Live event. That's I pretty know. cool. I'm, are you guys all going to come? Yeah. I love it. We're going to give out copies of The Automatic Millionaire. You know what you're really interested in? You are very interested, David, in learning about how to take a second look at how you can start earning passive income by investing in rental properties, aren't you? I was literally just thinking that. <laughs> please, oh please God. do more. That is like new lows, that Joe. Is, that is like my worst sponsor <laughs> segue ever. Very interesting segue. <laughs> Uh, you can do that through Roofstock, an online marketing marketplace for buying and selling tenant-occupied homes, whether you're in California or New York. Roofstock makes it efficient and hassle-free to diversify your, diversify your portfolio. I can't read in front of people. You guys are making me nervous. And invest from anywhere in high-yield markets like Atlanta or Memphis. They lay all the property reports and financials at your fingertips and even connect you with vetted local property managers for hassle-free ownership. Every property is thoroughly vetted by the Roofstock certification team, so you know it's in good condition with a reliable tenant place. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Roofstock, property investing made simple. We're also sponsored by MagnifyMoney.com. Whether you walk into your bank, whenever you walk into your bank and say, what do you got? A little piece of your soul dies. Well, maybe it doesn't have to, but it should because you could be doing so much better with your money. MagnifyMoney.com makes it easy for you to compare over 92% of the credit cards, savings accounts, checking accounts out there. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash MagnifyMoney for details. We got a fantastic show. David Bach here with us, OG. Also, Doug. Pretty serious show. Let's move into our headlines. Okay. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from the New York Daily News. Chester Bennington's will request his six kids see each other. Chester Bennington, of course, was the uh, recently deceased Lincoln Park rocker, committed suicide, unfortunately. He uh, requested in his will that his children continue to see each other, quote, on a regular and ongoing basis. Bennington had six children from three different relationships, son Jamie and ex-girlfriend Elka Brand, uh, sons, it goes through his family. I think the big thing I want to take from this is that people don't think about, David, people don't think about the fact that your will, you can specify all kinds of things. I never thought until I read this that you could specify, hey, I want to make sure my kids see each other. How, how random is it that you decided to start with death? On yeah, this way radio to bring the show. room down, Joe. Yes, at at FinCon 2017, where the energy was so high, let's start about death. Womp, but womp, if, womp. look, if we're going to start it off with death, yes, everything you said is true. Here's the key I look out in this room of lovely people, and 60% of you statistically don't have a will. So most Americans don't have wills. If you have a will, it's probably out of date because you did it when you had a kid. And so now most of you, I'm looking around the room, and some of you didn't just have your kids. And the way we know your wills are old is that you'll come into our office as financial advisors, and the pages will stick together. And they'll literally say, <laughs> Oil like, skin pages. you know, if anything happens to me, my uh, Uncle Jim should take care of my son, Ricky, and Ricky turns out to be 25. Right. So, I mean, you think I, Uncle Jim wants to take care of Ricky when he's 25? I don't th yeah, I don't think so. So I, I think really, you know, if you're going to do, like, real takeaway right now at this moment, if you don't have a will, please go get one. Yeah. Yep. If your will is out of date, Please go get it updated. If you're in a second marriage, make sure that you have a new will. Yep. Make sure your beneficiaries are correct. All these little detailed things are interesting and they make media. But again, if you go back to the basics, 
most people don't have wills and you need them and they're easy to get done. And people start wills and they don't finish them. Right. Oh, yes. gee, when do people yeah. go to a trust? Well, what I was going to say, just kind of dovetail here, we had a kid about 17 months ago in two days, but who's counting? And not, we that went, you, not that you count every sleepless night. <laughs> not that I count every sleepless night. Right. Although I think last night's sleepless night had more to do with the party at the Rustic than... The party at the Rustic than, was awesome. <laughs> ...than the baby. But um, we just went through and did ours, or updated ours, because when we, to what David said here, we flipped through it and I went, we got who watching the kids? Uh, no. By the way, that changes uh, no. over time, too, Oh, right? it totally like, did. Yeah. And, and the reason for us it did was because my brother is a couple years younger than me, and I have another brother, steak brother, who is 12 years younger than me, but now he's responsible, notwithstanding the steak issue. Some people know that. Uh, so now we'd rather have him than my you know, closer brother at this point. Can you imagine this just went over the radio? I was going to say, does closer brother know this? <laughs> oh, no. Well, let's just put it <laughs> this does way. He does now. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Let's put it this way. If he knew how to turn on an iPhone, maybe he'd still be in the state plan. <laughs> but, but since my kids would smoke him on YouTube, like how to use an iPad, um, uncle, uh, whatever, anyway. so uh, But, yeah, it's really important to, to revisit it from time to time because yeah. it does change. It does change. Yeah, our second headline comes to us from, where does this come from? Yahoo Finance. Should you share your salary? This is written by Catherine Vassal. I found this interesting. Question, how much money do you make? Young workers are much more likely to share their paycheck information than older generations. Salary talks long been considered taboo, but millennial workers aren't being shy when it comes to divulging their earnings, according to a recent survey from the Cashlorette uh, bank rate company. More than 60% of workers age 18 to 36 have told their salary to an immediately family member, immediate family member, while 48% have talked about it with a friend, and 30% have revealed their number to a coworker. Yeah, this, this does not surprise me a bit. Did your family talk about money, David? Well, my family totally talked about money. Did they? I don't think that that's the norm. I mean, I knew exactly how much money my father was making. I knew mm. when times were good. I knew when times were difficult. I knew when my parents were making money in the market, when the markets were going down. But that's partially why I do, like, how I ended up doing what I do. I mean, my family literally talked about money all the time. Now, it's interesting for me because I'm, I'm talking about money. I have two boys, 14 and 7. I'm talking about money a lot with them. But I don't tell them how much money I make. You don't. I don't. Um, I've recently shared with them how expensive our home is. But it's, it's, it's weird. I, I don't really want them to know at this point how much money I make. But I, I share with them how much our trips cost. And I go through how much, you know, I let them see what things that we're buying cost. But they don't actually know what I personally earn. Why do you stop the line right there? Because at the moment, I don't think it's appropriate for them to know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with them at this point. Yeah. I'm being honest. I'm not comfortable with them at this point knowing But why are so many money? millennials, so many millennials seem to be, according to this study, seem to be very comfortable telling you exactly well, what they They've make. been raised to do nothing but share their lives, right? When you look at all the social media, that's the, that's the only thing. That's essentially like a form of recreation is yeah. sharing everything yeah. about their lives. And this is just one more aspect to share in addition to all the amazing places you're going and traveling and, and all of that. It's just one more aspect of sharing. So my kids are a little bit younger than yours. Do you kind of get the sense that they don't quite appreciate? You know, if you do a Disney trip, it's not inexpensive to take the family to Disney and you share with them, hey, this is how much this costs. You kind of get the sense that they're like, well, how come we don't do that every weekend? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm really working on this issue because I don't want my kids to be spoiled brats, yeah, exactly. right? And, and, they're, and we're really, you know, I've worked really hard and we're really fortunate. We have an yep. amazing lifestyle, but I don't want them to take it for granted. And so I'm really working on making sure, not just saying, what do you say? Thank you. But being like, 
All right, this ski season, the fact that we get to go skiing every weekend, I want you to be clear how much that ski pass cost. Right. You know, that pass cost $1,250. That's really, you're really, really fortunate that you're getting to take these ski lessons. And how every long weekend. it would take for you to earn that if you're a 14 year old or a Ex 10 year old. Exactly. To put that it's, together. It's like two days ago, I actually had no cash in the house and we ordered Chinese food and my kids have cash. So I they was always like, do, don't right, they? Right? I'm like, like piles I'm like, of look, money. I don't have any money. You need to pay for the Chinese food. David Bob and, borrowed money and, from his kids. Right, right. So, <laughs> that so, is so awesome. So That's I'm like, the headline. I'm like, yeah, Jack, this is true. I'm like, Jack, go upstairs and get some cash. You got to pay for the dinner. Right. And he's like, well, you're going to pay me back, right? I'm like, I'll pay back half. He's like, no, seriously. I go, okay, I'll pay you back. So he goes and gets the money and he comes downstairs. So and your, like, your kid is David Bach's kid. He charged you 18%. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> and, and, and he wants a transaction fee. So, it, you know, it's. The meter's it's, uh, running, Dad. You know, <laughs> when are you going to run to the ATM? He gets the money and it's $67 for Chinese food. This right. is New York City. And he's like, whoa, Dad, that's really expensive. I go, I know. I know it is. And he's like, well, do I have to tip on top of that? I'm like, you do. He's like, yep. Like two dollars? No, no. <laughs> two dollars. <laughs> we did a thing where Sounds where I, I had a, I had the boys help me put together some books that I was sending out for clients, and I paid them a dollar a book to put in an envelope and label. I'll and come so, over and do that work. Yeah, yeah. I'm a slave driver. I don't know that you want to. <laughs> so I go to the bank and I got five dollar bills, and each kid was going to get forty bucks. So I counted it out, and then while their hand was still there, I reached in and grabbed just a handful of it, and I said, "That's the tax man." And the other kid, the, the, oh, nice. the younger one goes, nope. And he like runs, he squeezes his <laughs> hand and he was gone. But, he's um, your, but that's, you know, it's hard for them to really appreciate that. Yeah, but what happens to tax evaders at OG's house? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't the answer that. There's no yeah, tax. Yeah, the right, right. The yeah. Take that blanket yeah, right away. The, lock the bedroom door. <laughs> right. like, you know, eviction notice across the, uh, yeah. across the door. I don't know. Eight-year-old uh, looking for new work. Yeah, right. I think we've got to put a, a, a – let's put a point on this. Uh, uh, lessons here on your estate, I think the number one lesson is if you know when you're going to die, do your will the day before because that makes sense. If you don't know, get it done now. now. Yep. And uh, sharing your salary. Maybe. I think the question I would ask is if you're going to share your salary with friends and family, why are you sharing it? Yeah. Because it's not that I'm against sharing how much money you make, but it's a weird thing, right? Like, yeah. for some people, it makes the other person feel bad. Yep. So, like, is there, is there a reason that you're sharing it? I'm glad that my parents shared it with me because I think I learned a lot from that lesson. But, um, you know, I don't know. Like, the moment you were saying that, like, I've, I've heard about this thing called Tinder. I'm married, so I don't know about it. But I, would, I, I was visualizing, like... People know, putting their their amount above their picture, and they're like, swipe right, swipe left. You know? <laughs> uh, that went even, over everybody's head to, here because to say about that. in front of me are all baby boomers, so they don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm not allowed on Tinder, so. <laughs> we were all curious where that Tinder story was going, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of us don't I won't, That Tinder. was a test. I won't use that from stage. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, this is a segment of the show where we introduce our featured guest, but our featured guest today is on with us the entire whole show. Time. Whole time. So yeah. nice of you to be with us the whole time. But so we're renaming this segment. Let's grill David Bach Dun -dun. about David Bach. So if, if for the four people, David, that haven't read, read your books, we want to talk about David Bach early life because I know like me, you and I had this conversation. You messed up with a credit card. Yes. Let's tell that story if you don't mind. Yeah, well, so I went to college in L.A. I went to USC. Freshman year in the dorms, you got your student ID card, and then there was a table giving out bike locks, mm -hmm. and there was another table giving out, I think it was a clock radio and then, like, a dictionary. So this kind of dates me, but 
they all seem like necessary things to have. And of course, to get those for free, I was giving them my student ID and then getting a credit card. So those credit cards, I think at the time, were like $500 each. Everybody did this in the dorm lines, right? So the credit cards start showing up, and I thought I was pretty smart. You know, I'm like, oh, I'll just use these credit cards for emergency purposes. Absolutely. Right? Like, of course I'm not going to use them. I just want the free bike lock. Well, then, of course, I used them. I have an emergency um, the next morning. And then the interesting thing is what they did with these credit cards is as soon as they started seeing that they were getting maxed out, they sent you a letter and offered me more credit, right? So... Honestly, by the time I was a sophomore, I had $5,000 in credit card debt. Wow. And now I couldn't make minimum payments. So I did what I think most respectable sophomores in college would do. I came home and I had a sit-down meeting with my father and I said, this is a true story, guys. I was very nervous about this, but I, I took the bills out and I handed the bill to my dad and I said, dad, I don't know how to tell you this, but... We have a problem. <laughs> we, I like we. We have a problem. I go, I go, no, literally, I go, we have a problem. And he, lo he looks at it. He hands it back to me. And he goes, David, whose name do you see on the top of this bill? And I go, my name? He goes, son, we do not have a problem. You have a problem. You have a problem. And if you don't pay these bills on time, you're going to ruin your credit. And if you ruin your credit, you're going to ruin your life financially. And he walked out of the office that we were in and sat it on my lap. And that was my adult financial grown-up moment. Wow. That, that was the, like, whoa. How did you get out of it? So, interestingly enough, I'm like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, right. Right? So, I'm, I went back to college, and I started looking for a job, right? Because that seemed like a logical thing. Until I went and interviewed for jobs on campus and found out how much they were paying. Which, I think back then was like, I don't even know, maybe $7 an hour. It was, it was not a lot of money. It was very clear to me I would have had to work for five years at that just to pay these cards off. So I immediately said to my dad, I have an idea for you. <laughs> this is true, too, actually. I said, sounds like a great investment I need to borrow $1,000. I'm going to print T-shirts up, and I'm going to sell these T-shirts at the football games, and then I'll pay you back that money, and I'll pay off the credit cards. That's not a bad idea. Now, to my dad's credit, I can't believe it. He actually loaned me the $1,000. And then I literally I made the money back in 90 days, paid him back, and started a t-shirt business in college. Nice. And I became a, I that pushed me into entrepreneurism as a sophomore and started doing t-shirts for originally all the fraternity and sororities at USC and then started selling them to businesses and then went into selling ads for a college newspaper that we started. You have and people so work for you then? I mean, did this become like a bigger business? Yeah, you know, I had I had a partner and we had okay. I didn't I mean we hired other college I sold what I did. This is my first entrepreneur lesson. Is first I sold them myself. Then I hired friends to sell them. Then I'm like, wait, what if I sell them in mass? So I would sell them to the sororities for the pledge classes, and I'd sure. sell 500 to 1,000 at a time. Then the pledge class would resell them to make money. Awesome. I know, right? So that was what I did. That's really cool. So when you did that, I mean, you talk to people who have debt all the time. I'm sure side hustles have got to yeah. be something you tell people to do. Go drive for Uber. No, that's exactly right. I mean, and that really was my first side hustle, right? Like, I needed a side hustle to get out of debt. Now, I'll tell you guys another true, honest story is that I was so proud of the fact that I got out of debt that then all those cars I got them paid off, they all came back with bigger limits, and I got myself right back into debt. So if you've ever done this, oh. I can tell you I know what this is like. Mm -hmm. By my senior year, I was now $12,000 in debt. So that was when I really woke up to, like, I'm an idiot. I need to stop spending money on these credit cards. I stopped carrying credit cards. I paid all that debt off about 18 months after college. I did not carry a credit card. I carried a debit card or an American Express card for like 25 years. I now have like a credit card, but 
once I got into debt the second time and I got out, it was like, I don't ever want to go back into debt again. And I've never carried credit card debt since. First step, it sounds like, was to know yourself. It sounds like you got to the point you're like, I can't live this way. I got to have somebody as more of a cash lifestyle. And by the way, I tried all these stupid things that people tell you to do. Like, I'll give you an example. These are dumb things that I heard other people talk about. Well, you know what you should do? You should take your credit cards and you should stick them in the, uh, put them in water and freeze them and then stick them in your freezer so that you can't use them. Okay, that, I, I, somebody said that. I don't know who said it. I saw it on some show. I did that. So now I'm, I'm like, all some people are like, hey, you guys want to go to Vegas? I'm like, oh my God, my cards are you know, in the Frozen. freezer. Right. So now I'm taking the credit cards and I stick in right. the microwave. And then, by the way, if you do that in the microwave, it melts your credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I am in college here. But right. like, I learned so no these Vegas, lessons. Though. Like, you know, a lot of these dumb ideas that people yeah. give, they don't work. You know, Doug is shocked because with the Equifax thing, Doug heard you had to freeze your credit, and that's what he did. Now he's yeah. Oh, yeah. disappointed. All his oh, credit cards yeah. Wait, are in so the freezer. So you're saying I shouldn't put them in the microwave? No, Just no, right no. in the oven, maybe? Yeah, well, especially now if you got those steel cards, definitely don't put the steel cards <laughs> in the microwave. <laughs> the metal ones, yeah. Note to self. Yeah. Yeah, is this then the genesis for you personally then? It sounds like this is the genesis of the automatic millionaire about making things automatic and setting up these systems to win instead of relying on discipline, right? You, you, well, no, it's, no? it's not really. The genesis was I became a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley mm-hmm. and I started getting to see real life ordinary millionaires, what they did. Yeah. And so people would come into my office and you know, when you're a financial advisor, you get their tax returns, you see how much money they make, then you see how much money they have. And, you know, you look at this person, you go, wait a minute, you made $52,000 last year and you have over a million dollars in savings and you're 56 years old. How did you do this? And then they tell you, I've just been saving automatically in my 401k plan for 28 years. And you go, seriously, that's, that's it? That's all you did? Yeah. yeah. Then the opposite is the person that comes in who's making half a million dollars a year. And you look at them and they've got a gold Rolex on and they drove up in a Mercedes and they have no assets. Nothing. And they're the one that you say... What we need to do here is sign you up for a systematic investment plan because you're not saving any money. And they go, no, 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 I'll bring you a check next month. And then they don't. So what I learned is that when people would say to me, I'll write a check every month, I promise. I only had one person actually do that for more than six months in a nine-year career. But when people would sign, this is back in the day, you know, you sign a form for an automatic investment plan. Yeah which used to be like six pages worth of stuff. Right. You know, today you get a, it's down you down, to four now. Today you download an app and you go click, 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 and you're saving money automatically. Right. So it's actually never been easier to save money automatically, but I really got this from my clients. I saw what works is an idiot-proof system. It's automated. It takes no time. It takes no discipline. And provided you, once you set it up and you leave it alone, the classic like set it and forget it, it's so simple that most people don't do it. And yet you'll meet people every day. There are a lot of people here who are, who are millionaires and multimillionaires in their 50s because they've come up and told me their stories. And they're like, yeah, I just did all those things you talked about. One guy I was with yesterday is retiring at 54. He's got $2.5 million in his retirement account. He's worked at the same job for 33 years. So he's, you know, he's, this is an old school story, but he's been at the same company for 33 years. He's maxed out his 401k plan. I said, what percentage did you put away? He goes, what are you going to guess I put away? I said, 14%. He goes, how did you guess that? I said, because I know according to Fidelity, there are 72,000 millionaires in Fidelity's 401k plan, their last study, and the average savings rate for those people who retired, who had a million dollars or more at 62 was 14%. Wow. 
and then I asked him a second question. What percentage of your, of your money in your plan was stock? He said, what would you guess? I said, 75%. He said, that's exactly what it was. So I just gave you the formula, by the way. Any of you who have jobs, like if you're at a company and you're working right now and you want to know what you need to do, you need to save 14% of your gross income off the top. I need to be 75% equities and 25% bonds, and you need to leave it alone for the next 20 years. OG loves bonds. Oh, and with that, we'll just, he just said the drop. word. <laughs> I love him. It's on. <laughs> Let's talk about your new book, because you've got a book coming out in January. What's going I do, on? I do, Smart Couples, Finish Rich. Do I have any couples here? Yeah, boy, everybody's falling asleep. Me, Come on, any couples me, here? Me and Doug are a couple. Anybody married, whether you want to be or not? Okay, there we go. Now we're waking up. Um, Smart Couples Finish Rich coming back out in January 9th. You guys can pre-order it now on Amazon. One of my favorite books of all time. It's a book that brings couples together on the issue of money, which often divides couples. I mean, the, the biggest cause of divorce is fighting over money. I saw that with my clients too. Like I saw happy clients and I saw sad clients. And the happy clients work together on their finances as, as a team. January 2018. No, January 9th. January 9th, 2018. Yeah. Absolutely. David Bach, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. You going to stay I, around and help us answer some I, letters? I always love being with you on your show. You, you can, Thank you. It's funny. I feel, I feel like we have never met in person. I know. How weird You've been is on that? the show, I think, three times. And I love talking to you, and I see you, and I feel like I've known you forever. I know. I feel the same way. Give Which this guy a round of applause, like by my, the way. How, how good yeah. is his work? Yeah, it's me and my buddy Joe, Dave. Thank you. Right. Uh, can you stay around and help us answer some letters? I totally can. All right. We're going to take a quick break, because right now it's time for a little trivia from my mom's neighbor, Doug. What's up, money fans? I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you skipped straight to the trivia segment like you always do. I'll let you in on a little secret. We're taping a live hall in the Expo Hall floor today of FinCon 2017 in the lovely city of Dallas, Texas. One thing I found out in the last 72 hours, this city has some seriously good food. Although I'm having second thoughts about getting the extra beans on those two burritos I had. Enough about me. Let's move on to the trivia. In the spirit of us being here with these fantastic people in Dallas, here's your question. In the hit show Dallas, the guy you love to hate, J.R. Ewing, was shot at the end of the season finale. Who shot J.R.? I'll be back with your answer right after this. Hey, stackers, we get used to those same daily routines, don't we? Wake up at the same time every morning, brush our teeth, park the car in the same spot at work every day, recite jokes in the mirror to be funnier than that jerk of the water cooler. Or is that what just me? Here's one thing you shouldn't make routine, using the same credit card from the same bank just because that's what you've always done. Nick Clements from Magnify Money explains why. I mean, it's never been a better time, honestly, to find a, a credit card, especially given the lucrative sign-on bonuses that are out there. Uh, Chase just recently had 100000 on their reserve card. I, I think we're at a point right now where credit cards are, are extremely profitable for large banks, um, and they are really wanting to get more customers, and so they're, they're rolling out the red carpet. So I would just say if, you're, you, if you have had a credit card for more than two or three years, chances are there's a much better deal out there for you today. So why stick with that same old card with those rewards that haven't changed in years? You can use MagnifyMoney.com to always find best in class, including better interest rates. And don't only use Magnify Money for credit cards. Nick and the team have built the site 
from the ground up to help with personal loans, student loans, and mortgages. Average person saves $450 in interest when they hit stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnified money. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress. What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. The biggest pain point I have found is management. When you buy properties, you don't want to get calls about the tenant having a clogged toilet in the middle of the night. We solve that by finding third-party managers in each market who handle all the details for you. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock's certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. Welcome back, money fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with the best part of the live show. Actually, the people here live can see the best part, me. Yeah, those are all ladies cheering, I promise. <laughs> but at home, you'll just have to imagine how good looking I am. I don't want to distract you too much, so let's get to the trivia answer. Here was a question. In the hit show Dallas, you guys love to hate J.R. Ewing, and he was shot at the end of the season finale. This was left as a cliffhanger for eight months. So here's your question. Who shot J.R.? Anybody? Anybody? Lady who cheated? Anybody? <laughs> She doesn't even know. You cheated and you don't know. That's kind of sad. Okay, anybody who can get it gets a free T-shirt. But here, I'll just give you the answer because I want the T-shirt. The cliffhanger. Who shot JR? Hung over the world for as long as eight months between the show's cliffhanger finale and the start of the next season when we found out that JR's scheming sister-in-law and mistress, that vixen, Kristen Shepard, shot JR. Did you get it right? No, you did not. <laughs> well, give yourself a big old Texas-sized pat on the back, partner. Now, let's get back to Joe OG and some dude named David Bach. <laughs> hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline now and tackle some of life's, or rather, life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting, OG. They are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. What are those two things? This morning? Lattes. Co yeah, I was going to say you coffee. You value lattes? And Tums. <laughs> coffee and Tums. <laughs> In that order. Or your family and your time. It's why they okay. created a high-quality, affordable long-term yeah. life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online. Qualified, healthy applicants, guess what? You can skip the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash havenlife now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. And today, we have our BFF, Susan, who's going to ask our Haven Lifeline question. All right. Hi. Howdy. Hey. Hi. It's good to finally meet you. You too. Thanks for inviting us. It's a lot of fun. Well, I do have a question about life insurance. Um, when y'all have talked about term life before, you've also mentioned 
some of the other types of life insurances or can be used as part of a financial plan or retirement plan, but you've never said what? So I was kind of curious, what yeah. is the scenario? And that's because they're not used that often. In fact, they, they shouldn't be used that often. I think there's a place for permanent life insurance, David, but term life for most people... What do you think? Yeah, well, so let's just be really clear on the difference. Term insurance, you buy term insurance to have a death benefit to protect you, to really to protect your family in case you die early. I guess we're always dying early, right? Nobody wants to die. <laughs> but so you buy, you buy term insurance, you typically are going to buy 20-year level term, maybe 25 if you can go out that far. That's going to protect like your kids and your family. Mm-hmm. And it's the cheapest form of insurance you can buy, which is why it's so popular and it works so well. The negative on term insurance is 20 years go by and then there's nothing, it's done, it's over. But I recommend term. It's the fastest way to get a death benefit that protects your family. You can go out and get a million dollars in term insurance in many cases for like 50 to 100 bucks a month. I always tell the guys, like most romantic thing you can do, go buy a term policy. Oh, sexy. You know, so like, say, like, awesome. say, like, ladies, trust me on this. Like, you don't need roses, you need a term insurance policy. Okay, now with... I'm going to bring one what, of those home tonight and see what Mrs. OG <laughs> says. <laughs> hey, sweetie. There you go, honey. You guys Look think what I'm I got. kidding. I'm telling you, ladies, like, you, the guys, just tell them, like, honey, that's all I want this year. I want a term insurance policy. Now, with, with the permanent insurance, I do like permanent insurance as an investment, but only for a, a really very specific person. So right. here, here's the qualifications. One, you have to be maxing out your 401k plan. Yep. Two, I recommend you need to be making six figures. And, that, and there's a reason for that, because... In order to make life insurance work as an investment, you have to fund it for a long period of time. It's very expensive, and there's huge commissions. So typically, the first year's premium, whatever you pay, let's say it's $10,000 for the premiums, all of that's a commission to the advisor. So again, it's for a certain type of investor who's already maxed out other types of retirement accounts. The advantage of permanent insurance, why it can be a great investment, is that you get a death benefit, you can borrow the money out tax-free. Uh, you can get the money out of the estate if you do it correctly. So there are some sophisticated things you can do with life insurance, but it is often sold. That type of insurance is sold to the wrong person. I, I totally agree. The uh, the really, if, I mean, if you're a business owner, some of these some of these key yeah. man policies, where if somebody's a key member of the group, you use it there. Estate planning, but not so much anymore. As the estate planning, as the estate taxes kind of gotten higher and higher, you don't see that as much anymore. Right, and, and, and it's like I just put all this in the new version of Smart Couples Finish Rich. I did all the which updating. we can get January. You can get January January and, 9th. You know the one form of and whole. You can pre-order it now. I like this. You guys are helping me sell this book. I used to like variable universal life insurance. Today, I like um, indexed universal life insurance, IUL. But for again, those. I'm talking about for a specific type of sophisticated yeah. investor. Yeah. OG, you see those policies, to David's point, you see them yeah. way too often, too. Well, and like he said, I think the sales piece of it overrides the need of it most of the time. You know, you hear the phrase with annuities sometimes is that annuities are rarely bought. They're mostly sold. And I think that a lot of times with permanent insurance is very similar to that. But there are some cases, right? Estate planning or another one that that I think matters is if you have a health condition. You know, a lot of times you can start with a term policy and depending on the company, you can turn it into a permanent policy later if along that way you find out that you've got a health condition that prevents you from being able to buy another term policy and and, and for whatever reason your planning needs, you know, more time. But, uh, But it, you know, small percentage of the population overall. 
I just wanted to say that from personal experience that filing a term life insurance policy claim really sucks. Indeed. But what would be worse would be not to have one. So I really recommend it. So thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Thank you. Doug also usually brings down the mail, but today instead we're going to take other questions. Anybody else live have a question for David Buck? Yes. Come on over to Shannon. By the way, we've got Shannon, our community manager here. Big chant for Shannon. Social media guru. Yes. Okay, so if you want to focus on early retirement. Your name is? Oh, my name is Karen. Hey, Sorry. Karen. Sorry. So if you want to focus on early retirement, my question is, do you worry about taxable investing or paying down the mortgage? What would you focus oh, on? Oh, good question. That's a good one. That is a really good question. If you want to retire early. All right, so I'm just going to go back to my experience as a financial advisor. Here's what I can tell you. My clients that retired an average of 10 years early, earlier than the average person, the common denominator among all of them, they paid their mortgage off. Yep. So what happened is the clients that I saw that had ordinary incomes that retired before 55, the common link was they paid their mortgages off. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing when your mortgage is paid off and you don't have any, you know, you don't have a primary overhead. I mean, you're still going to, the thing that's changed, this is what sucks in America right now, is that healthcare is so expensive. So what's changed in 20 years is that you still got to have a lot of money for healthcare unless you've got healthcare coverage somehow. But yeah, you pay your mortgage off early. You got a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Steve You're Stewart's welcome. Back here. Thank you. Grinning ear to ear. Let's have t-shirts for them. Get a t-shirt yeah. from us yeah. later. Okay. Yeah. Right after. And That'd I think the other the other common theme on retiring early is they didn't have a big mortgage to begin with. They bought the right home, and didn't have the the McMansion that- with the big giant payment. And, that is and such then tried, a, to, tried to pay that off and save money and all that other yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's a really too. good point. You know, it's that average, it's, it's, it is that millionaire next door yep. thing where yep. they, you know, they didn't, exactly what you said, they didn't, you know, typically people make more money and then they, they switch homes in their 50s. And then yeah. the thing is, if you switch your home in your 50s and you go to a bigger house, it's all that's why you're now working 60, 65, yeah. oh. yep. which is okay, by the way. It's just, you right. know, knowing these things going into the decision. Yep. Yes, sir. And this will be our last question here from Michael. Yes. How do you prepare for sequence of returns risk for, say, a 100% equity investor that's been going for maybe 20 or 30 years? Wow. Sequence. Let's define the, the yeah. problem there because that yeah. is a problem, sequence of returns. But let's, let's talk about what does that even mean, what Michael's asking, David? I have no idea. Yeah. OG. If you've noticed, I use simple words. So, no, <laughs> what are you actually trying to ask us? I think what he's asking is, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but, but you're saying the kind of bad luck. Right, if you retire January one, two thousand eight, you know your portfolio, you know could average eight percent a year, except the first two years are minus fifty. Right. So yeah. yeah. If I've been one hundred percent equity my whole life. Right? Got it. So, like, I, the way I would ask that question is, what do you do if you retire the next year the market crashes? So, this is a really good question. If you're getting closer to retirement, you have to be rebalancing your money. You can't have all your money in stocks. You've got to tone it down and have guaranteed investments. You need a certain percentage in cash. You need a certain percentage in fixed income, unless you're comfortable riding it out. All markets recover. But the average market correction takes 109 days to recover. So if you can just like turn off the news for three months, you can get through most market corrections. The challenge is people react in these market corrections. So it's sort of one of two things. Don't react, or two, tone down the amount of money you've got in equities so that you can handle the volatility as the markets drop. Well, and the greatest risk is investor behavior. It's, no, it's no you doubt. doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, not what the market's going to do. 
So if you can't tolerate it or if you need the cash flow, you have to have some money that's safe and secure that's not going to be subject to that volatility. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Hey, we got thanks, a t-shirt Michael. for you afterwards, too. Thank you again. A big hand for David Bach, everybody. Thanks a ton. Thank you. This is really fun. Everybody go out and pre-order the book. And, January uh, 9th. Jan- Smart <laughs> Couples Finish Rich. Yeah, I heard that's what it's called. I heard yeah. it's going to be really awesome. It's in January. Yeah, 9th. The 9th. 9th. Yeah. 20th. All right, uh, Doug, what should we have learned today? Yeah, hey, Joe, now's your chance to head back to the Haven Life booth and steal another free umbrella. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned while you guys were talking about all the boring financial stuff. First, revisit and update your will. There's a really good chance your life's changed since you wrote it the first time, so make sure your will reflects your current reality. Second, talking about your salary? Careful about how much detail you give out. Sharing too much could cost you a few friends. I don't have that problem. I got no friends. Third, your money story? Hey, listen to David Bach. Even he started out with some money problems. Turns out it's never too late to get on the right path. But the big lesson? Don't sit next to OG during a live taping. He's distractingly handsome and he smells so good. Special thanks to David Bach for joining us today. You'll find out everything about David, including links to his website and his hit books on where, everybody? On the show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com or head straight to David's website, cleverly named, this is pretty creative, David, davidbach.com. How do you come up with that? Guy's a genius. Special. Thanks also to Joe's mom for letting us out of the basement for this live taping. Hey, mom, settle down. We're okay, but please tell OG to stop looking at me. (laughs) Thanks, dude, to all these amazing people at FinCon17 and Your Money Live for joining us today. You are all now my favorite people, except this lady who cheated on the trivia. You can line up for audio autographs for the small cost of $5. Oh, look, there's a line already forming on the left side of the stage. Thanks, everybody. And we're done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.